0: You're listening to Driven E Commerce at Work, the digital transformation podcast for your online business. Hello, hi, and welcome back to another episode of Driven E Commerce at Work presented by DC Cap. And I'm your host, Shiva Kumar. All right, so our guest today is David who's Director of Marketing at The Good. So when I was thinking about you know, doing an episode for the DTC, I can't think about a better person than David. Good morning, David. How are you doing? Doing well, thanks. Cool. Thank you so much for taking your time and joining on a Wednesday morning. It was a busy schedule, right?
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's good morning so far.
0: Cool. So uh, just for the listeners to give a background about your company and your uh, expertise. So do you want to give us a little outline about uh, your current role and what you're doing right now?
1: Yeah. So at The Good, um, we're a conversion rate optimization firm, uh, specifically for the e-commerce and D2C space. And what that essentially means is that we dig into a bunch of data on how customers are behaving on your site. And um, we learn about where they're getting stuck, just um, where they're having trouble uh, interacting and moving closer to purchase. And we help um, run A/B tests and other sorts of uh, experiments on your site to help improve that overall experience for your customers. And it, it results in basically a, a better uh, online experience for them, a smoother experience for them, and they end up purchasing more. So it's it's kind of a win-win. Um, we help your customers we help you um, and everyone's happy
0: cool perfect then so let me start with the basic uh, question so let's say if uh, i'm a manufacturer and i sometimes you know maybe i already have a good relationship with the retailers right for starters you know why do i want to launch a Dtc platform
1: yeah i think the main thing is that you can um, you, you can be building that relationship directly with your consumers. So um, if you're selling through other channels, um, you're not getting uh, as much data on your customers. Um, Also, your margins are better when you can do direct to consumer a lot of times, um, because when you're selling wholesale, um, you're basically losing a a chunk of uh, revenue that way, I definitely think that there's definitely a case that can be made for um, doing both um, just by you know, for diversifying uh, your revenue streams, but uh, direct to consumer is uh, definitely a, a smart route to go. And especially, I mean, in today's climate with um, COVID happening, I think a lot of brands that were already in the D2C space um, were benefiting from people, you know, uh, people, more people were stuck at home. And it's, uh, you know, it's been great that they could order things directly uh, to their house rather than having to. Um, try to go to a retail store
0: yeah exactly exactly and uh, so for for the starters let's say uh, so the this is some of the biggest mistake that everyone takes it doesn't matter they're in b2c or if someone is getting started so uh merchants usually they sometimes you know underestimate the power of the product photos so for as a consumer right so what would uh, kind of like uh, uh, increase the conversion uh, as a consumer let's say if this is what uh i look for in a online store. And uh, let's say if this is what the product photo that I wanted to, you know, purchase in this website. So are there any sort of like criteria uh, for the product photo category?
1: I think honestly, the the biggest thing is um, I think lifestyle photos. So you want to in you know, the same way that um, copywriting, you know, they say help your uh, target audience imagine themselves Kind of being transformed by your product, and, and write about it that way. Product photos essentially should be doing the same thing. So, you know, if you sell a bicycle helmet, well, have some product photos of people like out bicycling with the helmet on, or you know, you want to see it kind of in the wild. People want to see more pictures of it, um, you know, in real life uh, instances in real uh, places. And then beyond that, I think um, you know, if you think about your photos as uh, your opportunity to give your audience uh, as good of a uh, perspective of, of what they would be seeing in a, real, in a real retail store, you want to give them all the angles that you possibly can. Um, because, you know, if they can't physically look at it in a physical store, the next best thing is for them to be able to browse it from as many different angles as possible.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the social proof and then sort of this uh, 360 degree or 3D product view, right? Yeah. Okay, okay. And uh, when it comes to the product content, uh, how to frame the organic uh, content, you know, that brings in the visitors?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of it, um, it, it, I think um, maybe dovetails nicely with the discussion around product photos, but I think the more you can get into the the use cases of the products um, and be talking about content in terms of uh, what are the instances where this product would be utilized um, what are some tips you know if, for example um, some of the home improvement stores do a really good job of this you know they're just selling um, a lot of raw materials maybe but if they are producing content that talks about Here's how to make this type of chair. Here's how to make this type of table with these items. Um, You're going to get a lot of engagement with that content. And then that is in turn going to um, generate more uh, conversions to buy some of those products that they need for that.
0: Hmm. Mm-hmm. And let's say if we put this all together in the homepage, so what kind of layout, uh, the homepage layout usually, you know, get a good conversion? Is that going to be more of a favorite category or is it more like a, the hot selling product that I wanted to list on on the homepage? So what what uh, uh, sort of the consumer is looking for, especially on a DTC brand?
1: Um, I think the main thing with the homepage is that um, you're giving kind of a snapshot of the range of things that you can offer, but not do it in a way that's overwhelming. Um, so one of the things that we recommend is um, not having a navigation that's too um, that has too many options. If you can simplify your navigation down to about five different main categories, um, you're gonna see much more effectiveness from that. If you can do even less, that's even better. Um, as far as, as you move down the page, I think, um, yeah, putting some of your bestsellers uh, front and center, um, maybe some broader navigation. So if you sell both men's and women's clothing, you know, having kind of a a men's category and a women's category um, that you, people can um, move through. Your homepage is really kind of uh, you know a hub or or a place of navigation to the rest of your site. So you want to um, not make it too um, too busy, too congested. You want to um, really just help people find uh, the things that they're looking for uh, and and get going in the right direction.
0: So do you mean uh, that's the place where uh, we can just talk about the brand or more like a, we can do the brand building sort of activity? And uh, it's ideally like uh, getting the actual product of that specific brand instead of, you know, taking them to a different product detail page or uh, like you said, navigating, right? Is that correct?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I would be careful with your brand building on that first page. Um, I've seen some mistakes where, um, you know, people where, uh, you know, in an effort to do more brand building with, say, their navigation, they'll use um, more branded terms rather than um, clear wayfinding terms for their navigation. And so, you know, if somebody calls their blog, like, The Hangout or something like that, um, people might be confused as to like, oh, well, what happens if I click on this? Like, I don't know what the Hangout is. Um, so it's I think it's important to first and foremost be clear. Um, but beyond that, yes, it's I think it's a great place to kind of be showcasing your brand and, and the things that are unique about it. Mm-hmm. I'm
0: just curious. So do you encourage them to go for a block section in the homepage or not?
1: Um, like a, a block section?
0: Yeah, right. So let's say if uh, they write articles every week, like two articles every week, right? So do you want them to have before uh, the footer section? Do you want them to have a separate blog section over there in the homepage? Or should we just completely avoid them?
1: Um, I think you can do that. I don't think it um, needs to be as high priority on the page. So if you put that closer to the bottom, um, one of the things that we do is we just have our most recent article um, on our page, but it is closer to the bottom of the page. Realistically, uh, your blog is going to be good for bringing people to your site. Um, but, um, if people are there to either research or purchase, um, they may not be navigating to your site, uh, in the first place, just to go to your blog. They're more likely to go there to do a little bit of product research and then purchase. So you don't want to get them off of off track from what their um, goal was when they first showed up. Mm -hmm.
0: So talking about uh, the content and then the blog, uh, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, building an email list or uh, let's say for someone who's just getting started? So how to, you know, where to begin this, uh, you know, building an email list?
1: Um, Well, so I'm going to say something that is probably unpopular, but um, I'm not a big fan of um, website pop ups, at least not when people first show up on your site. I think that's a Mm -hmm. poor customer experience. Uh, I think it's much better to either um, have a form prominently displayed, maybe on your homepage, um, because, you know, then when, when people are signing up when they want to, you're going to have a higher intent email list and people who are going to engage um, with your emails that are going to convert from your emails at a much higher rate. Um, if you're basically having to bribe or or threaten your um, new visitors in order to join your list—it's not really high-quality um, consumers that you're uh, getting, and then what's that's going to result in is um, maybe people fewer people who actually open your emails or people who market as spam, um, and then that'll hurt your deliverability in the long run. So you know your emails might get to fewer people who maybe do want to engage with you because you know you've been sending to people who aren't that engaged. So um, I guess that's one thing. Um, beyond that, I think. You know, there's a number of different ways you can do that. Um, I think you can um, maybe work with other partners in your space to um, host events. Um, you can you know, host events yourself, um, virtual events, things like that. Um, you can, um, you know, offer... I, I don't like to encourage discounts too much, but um, when you can offer different sorts of specials. So, you know, a, a free bonus thing um that is being thrown in or um, you know a, a special bundle that's only available for a limited time things like that um, offers can be a great thing to help build your email list but i would make sure that they're uh, they're not turning your uh brand into a discount brand where all you know the only reason that people are engaging with you is because they're expecting a discount mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm, sure for sure and uh, so let's say uh, what kind of uh, newsletters uh typically, you know, consumers like, let's say, uh, like you said, so not everyone is going to like a pop-ups or the discounts and other things like, right? So uh, what kind of content or uh, what kind of uh, stuff that typically consumers like that's going to bring in more click rate or conversions from the weekly or, you know, monthly newsletters?
1: Um, I think what it comes down to is just um, highlighting the benefits of things. I think also uh, one thing that's Important to consider with your newsletter is um, making sure that your segmentation is is set up well. So, for example, if you have you know men's and women's clothing, and you have people who purchased women's clothing before, but you're sending them newsletters and emails about men's clothing, you know you're not going to get a very good click rate because you're sending it to the wrong person. But if you have if you've collected some information on, okay, this person has in the past, you know, purchased women's clothing. We're going to only send them offers around women's clothing. And this person over here has only purchased men's clothing in the past. So we're going to only send them stuff related to that. Um, that's just some basic segmentation that you can do. But that principle um, applies across the board where, um, you know, don't send emails that don't align with their previous purchase history. Um, otherwise you're not going to see as solid of results.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, what kind of uh, social media marketing strategy do they have to follow, you know, to bring in the organic visitors low? So let's say not everyone is going to invest more on the ads, right? So how to create this organic visitors through the social media awareness or campaigns, you know, what most companies are missing right now?
1: Um, you know, that's a harder one for me. Um, I don't do as much there. I think, my, you know, in my limited experience, I think... Um, What I've seen is um, the more uh, educational and entertaining you can be with your audience, the better, Um, you know, kind of keeping things light and, and really helping them. Um, You don't really want it to be, you know, make things too much about you. You want to be, um, you know, sharing kind of um, benefits and transformation to your uh, target audience. So the more ways that you can do that with your social media marketing is great. I also think, um, you know, having much more of a um, community-centered mindset. So, you know, are you building a group for all your um, customers? Are you, you know, is are there different sorts of, you know, benefits to being part of, you know, a club? And that maybe that's just, you know, all the people who are fans of your page or um, who are members of your, you know, social media group. That sort of stuff i think you can um, definitely develop some strategies there that will uh, help drive some more organic visitors
0: good good so uh, i was just going over this uh, report by status uh, you know the returns are expected to cost retailers close to i think five hundred and fifteen million dollars in 2020. so uh let's say for for the ttc brands uh what do they have to know about uh, the returns or, you know, kind of like what are the things they'll have to be aware of uh, to streamline this whole return wars?
1: Yeah, I think the, honestly, the the biggest thing to minimize returns is um, helping people get uh, as complete of an idea of what they're getting before it's even sent out in the first place. Um, So, I think, um, you know, if you're selling clothing, um, I think having as much information, I think a lot of times as the, um, like on the model that is wearing it can be helpful. So, you know, if if the model is um, six feet tall and, a, you know, a dress looks a certain way on them and the person who's buying it is, you know, five foot four, well, the dress is going to look different on them. So um, in my experience, um, one of the things that I've seen work well is, if you actually have a variety of product photos um, on a variety of models that have different um, shapes and sizes, and and then you have information on those uh, models, and then that way people can make sure that their um, their they're you know that how it looks on the model is closest to how it would look on them, and then they can see, okay, um, this is the size that I would need based off of that, and then they're more likely to purchase the right. Uh, product for them, which means fewer returns.
0: Good. And uh, so one of the things that the companies are, the merchants are not doing is uh, the A-B testing. So uh, what do you think, I mean, what, what are they going to miss, uh, let's say, if they're not doing the A-B testing?
1: Um, I think the the main benefit of A-B testing is is more, I guess, certainty. So a lot of brands um They'll make different design changes on their website, just kind of um, based on their gut and decisions that way. Um, but the thing is, is you know, you don't necessarily know if that's the best change that you should be making, or if it's going to help or hurt things until it's too late. You know, you could um, change your navigation, and then you just have to wait a couple of weeks and um, see. Oh, are our sales down? Are they up? You know, is uh, you know, am I looking at this over the right time frame? to know if this is actually, um, you know, uh, good data. Whereas AB testing, um, you know, you're know, you essentially showing them two different versions, uh, the original, and then you're showing them uh, what we think is an improved variation of that same part of the site. And then you're running traffic, you know, splitting traffic between both versions of that. And then over time, you're seeing, okay, how is behavior changed um on this variant and if there's more people that are purchasing in the end based off of that change then you should make that change permanent and if there aren't then you know you should keep the original version and so it i guess what i'm saying with all that is um it reduces any sort of um questions any sort of uh risks that you have and so you can be essentially objectively be improving your site Um, by little bits every single month so that your website is going to be converting better and better and better every single month.
0: Okay. Okay. So uh, where does the personalization, you know, actually stand uh, personalization or even uh, the customization? So do people, you know, really like to buy the personalized products Uh, in the sense, I mean, like, let's say if I'm selling for just four or five colors of uh, shoes, and instead of that, let's say if I have a customization option, a personalization option where the consumer can literally, you know, uh, choose what color uh, they want or what elements they want on, you know, the lace or on the top of the sole, whatever it is. So do you know, consumers like that? Uh, so what's the sort of like conversion rate over there?
1: Yeah, um, I think there's definitely um, a big benefit to doing that. I think when people have a hand in Um, producing the finished product of what they're going to get, they're more invested, engaged, uh, and more likely to purchase with it. So um, I know that sometimes takes a little more resources on the brand's end. So, you know, it's not an option for everyone, but um, if you can do that sort of uh, customization, personalization, uh, it can be a really smart way to go. And the key thing there too is, you know, personalization you want to be secondary to making sure that you have all the information on like the right sizing and the right fit. Because um, I think the last thing you want is somebody to personalize something and have it be, when they get it, it's personalized, but it doesn't fit them. Right. You know, cause then um, they're going to, you know, it might be a return that you can't really do as much with um, in that instance. So does that make sense?
0: Yeah, for sure. So I didn't, <laughs> I, I I didn't quite catch that earlier. So let's say uh, I thought you know uh, sometimes personalization or customization increase the conversion, but at the same time uh, it can help you to reduce the uh, returns as well. But uh, I never thought about it. let's say if you have a wrong size or something like that, so you're completely going to screw up the whole return process just for yourself.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it's it basically I think. Um kind of optimizing to reduce returns and to have as much product details uh, is like the best foundation. And then personalization, I think, is kind of the next stage where, you know, take care of the basics and then you can move on to personalization.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, speaking of personalization, I think integration is also uh, key when it comes to the DTC, especially if they already have the relationship with the retailers and if they already already using, applications like ERP and other things, right? So we need to make sure that uh, before we go online, we have a proper integration in place. uh, And uh, do we have communication between all these applications where we can integrate pretty much everything in one place, right? So, uh, what do you think about, uh, selling on uh, the marketplaces? So let's say this is more like, uh, getting a second channel or third channel for your revenue, right? So, uh, selling on marketplaces like Amazon, is that going to increase their revenue or is that going to hurt, uh, the brand loyalty and other things? So what do you think about it or what do you have to comment
1: on that? Yeah. My philosophy on that is to, um, you know, consider it very slowly. I wouldn't, um, Be quick to sell on Amazon. Um, I know there are some benefits to it. Um, My general thinking on this is to do something um, similar to um, what major brands like Levi's have done um, with uh, department stores and stuff like that in the past. So, for example, um, if I go to Macy's um, and I go to get some Levi's, they have um, some particular lines of Levi jeans that are only available to Macy's. And if I go to a Levi's store, um, they actually aren't going to have those same lines. It's, it's just going to be um, their core offering. So um, I think that same principle, uh, it, it should apply when you're selling through Amazon. I wouldn't put your entire product catalog on Amazon. I would probably pick one item that um, you're willing to sell at a steep discount because that's what Amazon's going to want. Um, but that maybe is kind of a good introductory product to the rest of your range of products. And um, that way you can um, benefit from, I guess, introducing people to your brand through a channel like Amazon, but then you can attract more of them to return to your brand through your own uh, direct-to-consumer website. Um, And that just improves your margins. um, It improves brand loyalty. You can be getting more of your own data. Um, When you're doing it through Amazon, you're essentially uh blind to what sort of um you know who are the people that are purchasing from you how many times are they returning that sort of stuff so um i think yeah basically developing products specifically for amazon um, and keeping the rest of your catalog on your own site
0: Cool, cool. And uh, so just to differentiate uh, their online store from the marketplace or even from the retailer, so do they have to offer some sort of uh, discounts on their website uh, just to attract the consumers or how to just handle that part alone when we have, you know, other
1: channels? Um, Yeah, I mean, I think I'm always reluctant to encourage people to jump straight to discounts. Um, just because if you do it too often, then your consumers will start perceiving you as a discount brand. And so you only get purchases whenever you're offering some sort of sale. Um, I think you can provide value in other ways. So, um, in ways that don't actually come across as, as discounts, even though they might cost you a little bit more. Um, I think I mentioned this earlier, but, um, you know, having a, a bonus product that's thrown in for orders over a certain amount or, you know, when you buy these, you know, two items, then you'll get this third thing thrown in for free, or, um, you know, if you purchase these items, then we'll, um, you'll get an invite to this special private event, you know, this online uh, class, you know, for how to use that thing. There's, there's a lot of different options, um, ways that you can add value on top of um, your core products that isn't uh, saying, oh, well we're just desperate for sales. So here's, you know, 20% off or 30% off. Um, Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. David, I think that looks good. So um, I think, uh, so we'll just have to take care of uh, one other thing as well, right. Uh, Let's say when it comes to the discount, so since you talked about it, so like you said, maybe we can even offer some sort of like repairs, Uh, just to differentiate from the marketplaces or even the retailers, or we can do something like a 100-day written policy, Uh, Mm -hmm. let's say if you buy from our own online store, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. There's definitely benefits to um, uh, working direct-to-consumer rather than through a third party for that.
0: Okay, cool. Perfect, uh, David. Thank you so much for taking your time and giving us, uh, throwing us some insights on the DTC. It was really helpful, and I hope uh, the listeners are going to like it.
1: Awesome. Yeah, it was great talking with you. Cool. Take care. You have a good day. Bye-bye. You Thanks.
0: Thanks for tuning in and subscribe to be among the first to hear it if you haven't already. And if you like our episodes, uh, do me a favor by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this right now. If you want us to cover anything else on B2B or B2C in the upcoming episodes, just go ahead and email it to podcast at the rate Either way, catch you guys very soon in the next episode. Until then, stay safe and stay healthy.